conversation. There's always something good on. Your radio doctor. Business, everything tech. And Rwanda's Green Agenda. Saturdays at 10 a.m. Welcome to our broadcast. My name is Jesse, the African Sun. This is Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. I'm with my friend and also colleague in the School of Business, Ephraim Ramwenji. Yes, sir. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm blessed. I'm alive. So we're going to pick our conversation off of uh, our last episode. Yes. Where we were talking about uh, reinventing your business or starting over. And I remember you hinted on something very, very phenomenal in the practice of business, which was cutting and avoiding the fixed cost. Yes. Uh, let's just do a recap on that. Okay. What you exactly meant. Okay. So, um, in a business, there are two types of, um, you have your cost structure. There are two types of businesses. I'm sorry, two types of costs. You have fixed costs and you have variable costs. Mm-hmm. So, fixed costs are those costs that whether you generate any income or not, they're going to be there. This is your rent, staff salaries, um, other overhead like um, utilities, communications, and, and all of that. They're not driven by demand. They're not driven by customers. They're driven purely by the fact that they exist. They're fixed. Um, so when I talked about what I talked about in our last episode, I talked about if you're going to start a business and you're hitting that reset button, because the whole idea was what are some of the lessons that I would like to share with budding entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who want to hit the refresh button. I'm like, rethink how you see cost and just avoid fixed costs. Try to change your fi- your cost structure to a, a purely or at least highly variable cost structure. And you said that uh, you can avoid fixed costs. Yes. Such I as rent. Actually, avoid fixed costs. You remember when COVID first came out, yeah? And you'd see someone sneeze and you'd run the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Imagine that is a fixed cost. You need to run the when you see a fixed cost, like someone is like, Oh, let's um let's get an office space. Run. <laughs> run. Don't even think about it. Not even to avoid if you wanna if you wanna run through your money, your capital, if I gave you a million dollars today and I said, Jesse, go start a business, here's a million dollars. Do you know the quickest way to finish that money? Go rent office space and hire employees. They will finish your money. And you said this is applicable to every kind of business. Every kind of business. You, you just have to be inventive. And what's crazy is that when you reduce the fixed costs, you can actually even reduce your cost the, in terms of the price of your product. And so when you now sell to a customer, you're giving them more value, but for less, for a, a lesser price. And so when you do it, when you design it like that, it becomes extremely, you just need to be innovative. This is why we call ourselves entrepreneurs, not businessmen. Because we are... Even if you're in a traditional setting, you're in a traditional business like mm-hmm. radio, as an example. Yeah. Radio has been around for a very long time. You know that you know that you know how long it's been around. Mm-hmm. You can find a way to to make your cost structure here variable because you know your business. Even as a business as traditional as farming or agriculture or um hotel or airlines these are industries that have existed we're not talking of technology that came just a few years ago yes there are new versions of business models but those business models also came to be through innovation 
And so that's what I'm trying to say. Like there are always ways for you to innovate within your space. And so what I've seen when it comes to f- to 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 designing your cost structure, you need to sit and take a step back and say, how can I make sure that at least 80% of my costs are variable? That I only incur these costs when I when I transact with a customer. Ephraim, uh, before we jump into the depth of our conversation today, which is entirely going to be around business cash flow yeah. and i'd like you to have a thorough introduction of what this is all about okay cash flow and how to manage the cash flow and the components that are in but you just mentioned something that i'd like you to hint on mm-hmm. which is where you say that we call ourselves entrepreneurs and not businessmen mm-hmm. i don't think many of us understand that okay and so there are many definitions of this right what is a businessman and what is an entrepreneur Entrepreneurs tend to unlock value. Businessmen tend to manage value. Mm-hmm. An entrepreneur should be able to look at, let me give you a simple example, right? Um, and this is personal. When I started a company called Thomas Ford, I was trying to decommoditize office space. Mm. Everybody, when they would think of office space, they would measure it in square meters. They'll be like, ah, how many square meters is this office? A, a businessman can build a, a building like that and he can charge rent based on the existing uh, business model that exists in that industry. So he manages that value as it exists. An entrepreneur looks at the same building and is like, I can charge not on the square meters, but on the experience of the space. So that's what we did. We stopped charging per square meter. We just told guys like, okay, this office, based on these services, because we realized that what people derive from an office, what they need an office for, can actually be structured into a product. Mm. And so we're like, we can give you an office with, it, with, with furniture, with internet, with X, Y, and Z, all these services, and you pay us a fixed amount. Now, we would figure out how to make sure that we make a profit. Now, that makes you an entrepreneur because you have what? You have unlocked value. You're not just managing value. And so that's what I'm trying to say. Like, for you to be really an effective, um, effective in, your, in your business, you need to start thinking like an entrepreneur. You need to look to unlock value in, even if it's a traditional business, even if you're selling tomatoes by the side of the road or in a marketplace, you need to say, how can I do this differently? How can I unlock that value? And so that's what I'm trying to say. Part of rethinking your, your, your value, your cost structure, trying to make 80% of it variable, that's unlocking value. And that makes you an entrepreneur, not a businessman or woman. Okay. Back to our constant today, which is business cash flow on this episode of uh, Living Entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I'd like you to define this is cash flow is the lion in the park. Mm. I think for whether businessman or entrepreneur, cash is king. Yeah. whatever you call yourself. Yeah. I'd like you to define for me business cash flow and mm. why is it a crucial aspect of business management? Okay, so there's cash flow, there's cash flow management. And so let me define cash flow first. Cash flow is pretty much the movement of money in and out of your business. And cash flow management is managing the inflow and outflow of that money. Mm. As you said, cash is king. You cannot think to run a business without cash. And 
we when people say that oh entrepreneurs like capital entrepreneurs like capital in essence entrepreneurs like the cash not the capital capital is a form of capital is one way you can get cash and that's why i think I'm, I'm excited to talk about this because, again, we'll also have another episode on how to source capital. Mm. But I feel like if you can understand cash in your business, you can truly, truly, truly unlock value. So, again, cash flow. What is cash flow? Cash flow is in, out of money. Management is managing how you manage the process of how money moves out and how it moves in. I'd like you to just give me a real-world example okay. that illustrates the impact of effective cash flow management on business operations. Maybe there we would, okay. we would get on the same page. Okay, so uh, before I get into the example, let me talk about the importance of cash flow. Hmm. Um, imagine a human body without blood. Immediately, you have a human body without blood because blood is how the, the different organs in your body communicate with with each other. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that communication happens through, okay, some will talk about the nervous system, but when we talk of oxygenate, oxygenization of your organs, it comes through the blood. Mm. And so you find that if you remove the blood from your system, we make you anemic. I doubt you would ever survive. When we talk of a heart, the giver of life, it's one of its main purposes is to pump blood mm-hmm. across your body. So when, when we look at cash, cash is king in a business. You need money. Even on a personal level, we all know that there's never enough money to do anything. Even if you're earning one of the best salaries, you will never have enough money for your goals. So this, and cons- your this whole concept, I don't know where people get it from, mm. that it's not the money that you need. Mm-hmm. You need an idea. <laughs> okay i okay if we're being for real it's, we all need money like i feel like the idea when someone says that what they're trying to say is that sometimes people chase the capital before they're ready mm. and they, by the time the capital comes it lands on a it lands on a sh- on shaky ground you know and so when the money comes in it's not as effective as it should be so they try to say instead of focusing on trying to get the money focus on improving the idea mm. the money will come and that's the truth cash will always come because money gets attracted to to wherever it knows it's going to multiply. Hmm. But at the end of the day, we need money. The, your business needs money. You on a personal level needs, need money. Your employees need money. Your suppliers need money. Uh, everybody, the government needs money. Randa Revenue needs money. So you can't, avoid, you can't avoid the reality that cash is king. Now, I'm not going to get into the science of money where I now start talking about difference between currency and all of that, but the reality is simple. Cash flow management is linked to the success of a business. Now, when we take a step back and you ask me a very important question about example of cash flow management. Take, for example, a service business. Let's say I am a hotel. Um, okay, hotel is not a be- the best example. Let's take, for example, um, somebody a service business that does work on credit like kind of like your business, mm. right? You're going to go give a client a media strategy. You're going to bill them, but you're going to wait for payment. Now you have your costs. Now, this is why I told you avoid fixed costs. So you have, 
let's say you didn't listen to my advice. You go have, you have an office, you have to pay rent. Maybe you have a company car that needs to be serviced and filled. You have employees that need to be paid. You have utilities that need to be paid. This includes internet. It includes water, electricity, and all of that. At the end of the day, you are waiting for your client to pay you, let's say, 5 million or 10 million, right? Your cost structure for one month is, let's say, 4 million. You're going to wait. You've made a, a profit on your transaction of 6 million for that month. But do you know what's going to end up happening? Is that if you wait too long, your customer delays to pay you. What ends up happening is that that gap of about 6 million, the next month reduces to 2. And the next month, this is three months, you're now in negatives. By the time your payment comes through. Exactly, after 90 days. And so this is the essence of cash flow management. You need to make sure that inbound cash, the way money comes in happens quicker or happens so quickly and the way money leaves the company happens so slow. Are there strategies on how to get the money to come in real quick? Definitely, definitely. Okay, let me give you one simple example. There's something called factoring. Factoring is one of the most underrated elements of of inbound cash flow management that people don't know know about so factoring is where you go and you sell your 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 liability or sorry your your receivables so receivables are the money that someone owes you and it's supposed to, you're supposed to receive it so your accounts receivable so you sell those accounts let's say this contract again is 10 million and you go to a, a lending institution there are a couple of them in in Rwanda but even banks do it as well mm. if the person who is supposed to pay you is credible enough you can take that invoice. Some people call it invoice discounting and they're like, there are many words to call it, but it's called factoring. That's the overall term. You take that 10 million invoice and you give it to them. Now, factoring is different from invoice discounting in the sense that factoring, you're never going to see that money. They're going to charge you an interest on it. Mm. They're just going to give you a check and you forget about it. Invoice discounting, what happens is it's almost like an advance loan. So you become the guarantor of the loan. That's why factoring is better because it doesn't go in your balance sheet. So now what happens? You give your invoice to, let's say, Jesse Lending, Jesse Finance Limited, right? Or Jesse Bank mm -hmm. and say, hey, I want you to factor this invoice for me. It's 10 million. They're like, okay, based on how we know this customer pays, they take 90 days and the terms of your contract, we're going to give you 8 million. The other 2 million is our interest. Wow. And so you you... You don't have to stress about following up. Not necessarily where's my money. What ends up happening is because it costs you, plus your overhead and everything, it costs you only four million to service that contract. You're gonna get your eight million. You still have four million in profit, which you can reinvest to get more income. But that is one simple way to do that. Another example of um, a cash flow strategy for inbound logistics is sorry for inbound uh, cash, is giving your customer your accounts receivable incentive to pay you quickly so you can have this thing where you have your receivables and you send them a message and be like if you can settle your invoice in the next 15 days we'll give you a five percent discount it works if you settle half we'll give you a discount does that normally work in service related businesses or in trade because i think a trader would easily understand what a five percent is what it means to their business but in the service industry, I would imagine there would be a lot of reluctancy. Okay. I feel like service industry, you guys have more leeway than, you, than people in, uh, in physical trade do. Because physical trade, people actually are monitoring margins. Yeah. 
you have your 10% margin. So if you give somebody a 5% discount, half of your profit is gone. But if you if in service industry it's literally you to determine your cost base. It's how you value the service you're giving to a client. So you can go to a client and say, um, I can see that our invoice is you're supposed to settle it in 90 days. If you can settle it, settle it before the 90 days, I will apply such and such a discount. Most people will appreciate the discount because they know it's service. It's, I mean, if you're charging someone uh, 10 million, you're telling them, pay me 9 million today and I will or pay me half and I'll remove 1 million and then you settle the other half another time, most people would accept that if they have the cash flow. Well, I think if it's a global problem, especially for the Rwanda market, that not everyone has cash. Exactly. I, I think then it becomes a problem. There's another, there's another strategy that I also want to put out there that a lot of people don't actually understand. It's restructuring the transaction. You can also get in kind so sometimes you find you, you service a client, they have something that you will need in the future. So let's say, for example, Jesse, I give you services for marketing, right? And I come to you and I give you, I bill you 5 million or 10 million. Let's use 10 million as an example. But I notice that you're delaying to pay me or that 90 days are coming. But then I'm like, but Jesse has a radio station and I need airtime to market some new product that I have. Maybe this is halfway through the second month and I need... Um, some airtime to advertise something that I'm doing, I can come and I sit with you and I'm like, can we convert um, this, 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 this debt that you owe me, this accounts receivable into a service? Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is that you are minimizing how much you need to actually spend by converting the cash that should come to you. I don't know if you've understood what I've yeah, said. I do understand. Yeah. It's more like butter. It's, exactly. So if the, one of the ways to manage in your cash is to find ways to to minimize how much goes out, but also how, how much comes in. And so in that case, what buttering does is that it blocks what goes out and also helps you recover what comes in by exchanging it in that sense. Radio Doctor, Business, Everything Tech, and Rwanda's Green Agenda, Saturdays at 10 a.m. This is Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. I am not the main thing on this conversation i'm just a facilitator for this conversation together with Ephraim Ramaja, we are in the school of business and this is particular for you as an entrepreneur to learn on how to maneuver through what i would call the delicate terrain of managing your business and your cash flow effectively Ephraim, let's look at the components of uh, cash flow. You could have touched on this here and there mm. in our conversation. But again, just to emphasize, you spoke about cash flow relating it to the blood in the human body, mm. which helps the other body parts to communicate to each other. And I want to ask a question in that sense. What are the components that contribute to a business's cash flow mm-hmm. and how then do they interact? Okay, so... 
like I said, there are two parts. And I don't want to get too technical with this because I want this to be as simple for everybody to grasp, myself included. Um, imagine you have in and you have out. So in is how does money come in? Most of the time it's through sales. There are two types of sales. There are cash sales and credit sales. Those are the components of cash flow. Mm -hmm. When it comes to now it leaving, you have expenditure. You have operating expenditure and you have capital expenditure. Most people would say, but no, capital expenditure is investments. It's still money leaving your pocket. And so once you understand, okay, I have capital expenditure, I have operating expenditure, this is how money leaves my pocket. Um, you can then now try to figure it out. That is on an operating level. But now I want to talk about it more on now a strategic level. You have something that is very critical to cash flow management. Because we, you see, we talked about, you'd asked me about the components of cash flow, but now I want to talk about the component of cash flow management, which mm. is the management of the inflow and outflow. Yes. One key thing is, is something very simple and people negate it. It's called budget. Budgeting. Planning. Have you ever heard, another way to call budgeting is planning. Have you ever heard the saying that's, that goes, um, if you failure to plan is planning to? To fail. Yeah. And so you find a lot of business people spend money, but they've not planned on how they're going to spend the money. They don't have a strategy for the month. They don't have a strategy for the year. They don't have a strategy for the quarter. Like you'll find somebody. Not even for the day. No. And so any expenditure that comes up, they are meeting those expenditures. But you find that at the end of the day. Or even avoiding them. Pretty much. Because they don't have a plan. And do you know, an interesting thing is when you're, when you're dealing with creditors, people you owe money, suppliers and, and let's say employees or even the taxman, most people avoid to pick up the call, their calls because they have nothing to tell those people about when they'll get their money. But do you know, if you, have, if you have a plan, you pick up the phone and tell someone, you're like, look, I'm going to be able to pay you in a month's time. And do you know why you're able to say that? It's because you're confident that you can because you have a plan. You see how your money's going to come in. You have a strategy on how you're going to collect your money and you know how you're going to figure out how to pay them while you still maintain operations. That's one. Then there's another strategy I like to use. That's around budgeting. There's one called payday. I love payday. Payday is one of the most brilliant ways to manage cash outflow. So I told you in the beginning that you need to get money to come in as quickly as possible and find ways to make sure that the money leaves as slow as possible. You need to delay how money leaves the company. Even if you have money on your account today and it's a Monday, if it's not the day to pay people, even if someone is calling you, you tell them, hit me up on Friday. So what do payday, what do, payday do? For some of my clients, what I've destructured for them is on Monday, they develop a list of people that they need to settle in the week. Mm. And they write them a message on Monday. Mm. that give us a payment request by Wednesday at noon. If the client, if the, if the vendor or the supplier or the creditor delays to give, they won't get payment. Now what happens on Wednesday when they submit, it's processed and they're informed, you will get your payment on Friday. So money only leaves the company on one day in the week. Does that apply also, I see those who structure, for instance, salaries are paid on the 25th, commissions mm -hmm. are paid the following month on the 15th. Mm -hmm. 
is, is, is that part of the plan? It's part of planning. It's part of planning because once you plan, you know, if I pay this person all the money that I owe them, I will not be able to pay salaries. Obviously, there are those costs that are must. You can't, you can't default on your rent. You'll be kicked out. That's why you should avoid it. You can't default on salaries and commissions. You need to pay people for what they've worked for. But there are other costs that you can always delay by one week, two weeks. And so if you can grasp that, you plan it out, you'll be surprised. You'll always have cash. So what is the biggest challenge? Because everyone seems to be having a cash crisis especially today everywhere you go you meet a client and everyone tells you we are doing badly on cash Mm. literally everyone small or big Mm -hmm. everyone looks to be in a dilemma with the cash Mm. what is the problem i would imagine not Mm. everyone is lacking the budgeting Mm. and the planning no um and but this is what it actually comes back to planning I would assume anybody who's struggling with cash has customers. As long as if you don't have any customers, you're not selling. That's another part episode that we're going to have where we're going to tell you how to sell. Mm. But if you have sales that you're generating sales from customers who have the capacity, who are not just taking your products but not intending to pay or taking your services and are not, not intending to pay, you need to plan. Now, this is where most people have a problem in today's society as I've seen it. Again, I have a bunch of clients. I have a couple of clients that I've dealt with and I've seen where the problem is. They have the planning process. They have the, um, the strategies in place. But you know the biggest issue is that they've not adapted them to the current situation, mm-hmm. the times that they were in. What do I mean by that statement? Yesterday, in, sorry, in our previous episode, we talked about, uh, we talked about embracing change. When you look at how some of these clients of mine have not adjusted their budgeting process to deal with the change of times. What do I mean by change of times? Rising inflation. Um, incomes are not rising at the, at the pace of inflation, so meaning people have less disposable income. There's a global crisis around fuel, around food. That's just COVID obviously affected mm-hmm. also that as well. Mm-hmm. So most of most most of, of the economies around the world are recovering. And so you find in that context, people have not adjusted. What do I mean by that? In our economy, um, the government is the largest um, spender in the sense that they're the largest single client in the in the economy. And you find that most people have not developed strategies on how to handle and and structure how government pays. Because the, the way government was paying before is different from how they pay now. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a businessman in construction or a vendor in services who, who in your case, sells advertising um uh, space or adver- advertising time to to these institutions doesn't adjust to deal with that reality. What do I mean by adjusting? Again, avoiding fixed cost. How can I make my cost base variable to adjust with the reality that my customer is not going to take 90 days anymore. They're going to take 180. Mm-hmm. And so you find that on the side of inbound, it has changed, but on the side of outbound, it has not. And so you find guys need to be, again, unlock value, be entrepreneurs when they perceive these things and say, okay, cash flow. I need to find a way to figure it out. Wow. Too much learning for today in this episode of Living Entrepreneurship. Thank you so much, Ephraim. Now, I'd like you to emphasize Mm -hmm. uh, in cash flow, there is what they call the role of timing. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it meets the same wave 
at which you speak about the challenges. Mm. How does the timing of cash inflows and outflows affect the business's ability to meet its financial obligations? Okay, so I'm going to talk about it on a practical sense. In a practical sense, sorry. Um, you need to figure out... I, get, I talked about payday, right? Where you have only one day a week to release money. And trust me, this can work regardless of your business. Even if you're buying products from that you're selling on a day-to-day basis, you can make sure that you only release money once a week. Now, if you're releasing money once a week, it's as simple as... If you're coming back to what you're talking about timing, making sure that money comes in at least twice as fast as money leaves. So if money is leaving on only one day, try to figure out how to get money to come in on two days a week. If you get paid at month end when you get settled, try to figure out how to take your cost base to once a month and try to figure out how to get paid twice a month. Could it be that the big businesses are the ones that are actually eating up the small businesses because they can handle this timing. Money will go out after 90 days mm-hmm. now the small businesses because they are desperate to transact with the big companies mm-hmm. are willing to, no. uh, to to do things but that's the truth jesse let's be honest a big company has a bigger asset capital base so meaning that they can always leverage that to either tap tap into bank loans into credit even bully their the vendors and their customers into paying like for the customers paying into paying on time or paying on transaction or when it comes to the vendors waiting 90 days or 180 days to get paid mm. but the reality is this at every level i feel like i don't want us to use that defeatist approach to say ah big businesses big businesses trust me if you're smart at how you structure your contracts structure your contracts with cash flow in mind that's what i'm trying to say right now we bake in profit which is good we're baking in profit, but we need to add another dimension. Right now, we're only doing it two-dimensional. We need to make it three-dimensional. What do I mean by that? When you go sit down, Jesse, to have to have a discussion with uh, somebody to, to give them services, media services, what do you normally do? You normally go, um, you bill them $5 million. But that $5 million is, when you look at it, you know that you're going to probably make a profit of $2 million or one and a half. no? Mm-hmm. You've baked in your profit. And so you're satisfied. You never go into a transaction by just giving prices without trying to figure out how, what does it actually cost you to make, mm-hmm. make that transaction, right? Now, here's what I want to say. That's two-dimensional. If you truly want to survive in this post-COVID, post-Ukraine um, war world where you find that it's really hard to see inbound cash flow, you need to say, okay, how can I add another dimension? What's that dimension? How can I determine the cash flow of this transaction? Now that you spoke about profitability, I'd like you to try to explain the difference between cash flow and profitability. Why is it possible for a profitable business to experience cash flow issues? Okay. Um, Profitability is not about cash flow. And that's the biggest misconception. You can have a highly profitable business that runs bankrupt. What is cash? Cash is the tool that allows you to survive on a day-to-day. What do I, let me give, come back to the knowledge I use of a body. Cash flow or cash is the, is the blood, right? Profitability is the nutrients that you put in your stomach. So even if you're eating every day and you don't have blood in your system, you're eating a balanced meal, healthy, but you don't have blood, you're anemic, you will die. The good thing is that, coming back to the same analogy, is that 
the nutrients that you eat, which is your profitability, can feed into your your, your blood, which is your cash flow. But the reality is, is that you cannot survive. You can survive with cash longer than you can survive with, with profitability. Mm. Now, what do I mean by that? So you can go to a transaction of 10 million. The example we're giving. Your co- monthly costs are 4 million. You're profitable. But you've not received payment from your client. And you're not going to receive it for three months or two months. You have bad dates. Aha. Uh-huh. Do what happens? How are you going to pay your workers? How are you going to pay your rent? You're going to eat up your profit sooner than later. No. The reality is that even if the profit exists, it, it exists. It, it doesn't help if you don't have money, if you don't have cash. And so cash flow is pretty much saying, look, what do I have in my pocket today to buy products and to pay my obligations and to grow my business? Let's end this episode by talking about cash flow forecasting. I think in the company, one of the companies that I lead, we just spoke about this when we're experiencing, you know, working at the ugly deep end of things, Mm. fighting with cash flow issues. And then one of the colleagues just talked about how about we just do a forecast. Can you briefly introduce this concept as we close of cash flow forecasting? and the importance for business planning. Okay. So cash flow forecasting is coming back to budgeting and planning. So budgeting is a bit different. Budgeting is like, how much am I going to be spending or how much are you going to be spending every day or every month Mm. and on what? And then from there, you're like, is it worth, like, should I be spending 10, 5 million on this or 2 million on this or 500,000 on this? Can't I get it to 200? Isn't there a cheaper option? That's the whole point of budgeting. Now, forecasting is now bigger picture thinking because budgeting is the small picture aspect of it. It's the minute detail that this is what we're focusing on. But now when you go another level above, now this is the big picture perspective of it. You're like, where do I see us cash-wise in the next six 12, 18 to 24 months from now. You can start from zero or you can start with the cash you have on hand. You start with that balance. Let's say you have 300,000 in in cash. That's where you are today. Mm. And you know that on average, you can generate cash sales and you collect on your receivables in the next one month, maybe let's say another 1.2 million. And you know your expenditure minus rent and all these other things is maybe, let's say, 800K. That cash is actually going to leave. You deduct your 1.2 from your 800, that's 400, plus the amount you had before. When you add that and it accumulates over a period of time, you are like, oh, you can see. Now, from there, you can project. If there are other creditors you had to pay, you can say, oh, I'm now going to be, after like three months, I'm going to be sitting on... 1.5 million in cash. I can pay 200k to so and so who supplied me with this. I can do this. I can invest in this. I can increase my capacity. I can do some online marketing because I will have the resources to to do so. That is the whole point of forecasting. If you do not do that, I guarantee you, coming back to the same statement I said before I talked about budgeting. Mm. Failure to plan is planning to what? To fail. Exactly. Thank you so much, Ephraim Romwenja here, a student of business, on our episode of uh, Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. In our next episode, we'll touch deeper 
on what insights you need to navigate the challenges and what solutions there could be for managing your cash flow challenges. This is Jesse the African Sun. Thank you so much for listening. Doctor, business, everything tech, and Rwanda's green agenda, Saturdays at 10 a.m.